This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. Joining us today at the round table of dim lighting is YouTuber, Viner, rapper, vlogger, the talented and tenacious Daystorm Power. Daystorm, he's a 2011 American Music Awards winner with over 1.6 million subscribers on YouTube and he is the number 21 topped ranked Viner with 4.6 million followers. I mean, we're happy to call Daystorm a friend of ours. We've collaborated on multiple occasions. We discussed the first time we met, which I had forgotten, uh, but he brings up in our conversation. Mm-hmm. And a long I was, time ago. I was, glad, I was glad that he brought that up because I certainly remembered that meeting uh, once, once he uh, once he made you up. remember it, you remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his YouTube fame really exploded um, when he started performing rap songs based off of challenges from his mm-hmm. fans and a schedule that he also shares with us. His catchphrase was another, another day, day, another, another challenge. challenge. It was a challenge from his fans, and then he would just have less than a week to turn it into a catchy rap song, just like this one involving solving a Rubik's Cube. You got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Watch me take this color cube and help you resolve it. Wanna solve your Rubik's Cube? First you gotta pray. Nah, I'm only kidding. Let me show you the way. See, first you get the top, which is relatively easy. It all starts out with a simple TC. Align your T with the colors on the side. Let's finish up the top by these rules you must abide. Daystorm also writes and performs original songs for his YouTube channel. His most recent one of those is Victory Dance. Go girl, shake it, shake it like that. But as of late, Daystorm's been getting amazing traction on Vine, racking up millions of loops, six seconds at a time, actually up to six and a half seconds. I, I, I learned that today, I gotta say, I'm a little ignorant about that. Uh, with vines like Robbery Gone Wrong, where Daystorm and fellow Viner, very popular Viner, King Batch, approach a man to rob him, only to realize that when he turns around, he's a priest. Give me your money, uh-huh. don't make this hard. What did you say, my child? He said donate to God. Okay, nice watch, brother, thanks. So the more that you watch this thing, it kind of sucks you in, the funnier it gets. I mean, we, you can't do it justice just by hearing the audio. Um, and there's just a fascinating science to the world of vining mm-hmm. that Daystorm has not only experienced, but helped dictate what is most successful on Vine. I just, I love the fact that this is, that he's able to talk about it in such a detailed way. And that to we define can, Vine. To, def, to define it uh, and def, define it um, by his actions. So, I mean, it was really cool to talk about that. We talked to, to him about a lot of things, his bizarre kneecap injury, mm-hmm. uh, a detailed account of his amazing backstory. I mean, we're talking the type of stuff that should be in a movie tomorrow. And I you know, if Daystorm wants to get into more acting, I guess he could play himself. That'd be uh, weird. Or I could play him, that would also be weird. For another reason. You could play him, that would be weird. Let's not get into casting. Yeah, let's not do that. My point is that his story is, it should be in a movie. Yes. But it's here on an ear biscuit and you're gonna enjoy it. And we also talked about his frustrations with YouTube and all the new opportunities that Vine is affording him, so keep listening for that. 90% Link, that is the percent of your life that you're in your underwear. Oh. Okay. I mean, I don't, you're, you're, are you, are there, have you been keeping records? Because that's creepy. I think I'm 98, maybe 99, maybe even more than 99. I wear underwear pretty much all the time, except when I'm bathing. <laughs> the reason I'm talking about <laughs> that's, this- That's it, you should really think about it. Everybody knows the feeling of putting on, uh, putting on old saggy underwear, but you need to know the feeling of great fitting underwear that's two times, two times softer than cotton. <laughs> you need to know about MeUndies.com. All right, you've heard us talk about MeUndies before. Uh, they are the most comfortable underwear you will ever wear. It's insane how good they make you feel. And not just where they are. They make me feel good emotionally everywhere. They fit perfectly, they don't ride up, and they literally pull moisture away from my skin, making me feel cool. And you look cool, but I mean, I don't see you in them, but so you look keep, like you. <laughs> you keep, so you're keeping record of what percentage of my life is no, in no. underwear and how cool I look in my underwear. I, no, no, none I, of this is no, good. No, not you, just people who wear okay. these look cool. I have okay. a big mirror in my bedroom. I've okay. seen myself in them. 
Oh, and I, <laughs> Rhett has shared that he has gone full me under. You have no other underwear. Uh, yep, I'm true. on the verge of that because I have a good set of them. And I'm noticing a phenomenon when I go to my underwear drawer now. There's a telltale test, and that's not a uh, that's not a pun, or I guess it was. And which ones I reach for, and I always reach for the Meundies, and then when they're gone, I gotta go to these other pair, and I'm not, I'm just not happy or yeah. as cool. They're lacking. The other ones are lacking. Uh, and so the ladies won't be left out. These are not just underwear for men, they're styles for men and women. You can check them out on the website. And also, we'll make it easy for you. You can go to meundies.com slash retinlink, get 20% off your first order with free shipping, and you can save even more if you buy a pack of them. Uh, they guarantee you're gonna be happy, or your first pair is free. Uh, once you film MeUndies on your body, you'll never go back. And remember, to get that 20% off, go to MeUndies.com slash Rhett and Link. Now enjoy our Ear Biscuit with Daystorm Power. So how long have you been without eating? How starving are you right now? I'm starving. I got up at like 7 a.m. Ooh. To start the day because you know with- You, you don't know, eat breakfast? No, just just dinner. What but I haven't had them because I had an interview at Fox. None so, of this sounds right. So Daystorm. It, it it feels so for me. No, it, it you know you feel good at, you know after you after you eat that meal. But though. what about <laughs> what about the what about that theory about eating a bunch of little meals during the day? I mean, you're it's complete, a great theory. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a personal trainer. I believe in that theory. You're doing the complete opposite though. Well, yeah, that's just so I can just get like really nice and sexy real quick. <laughs> okay, I want to hear. Can you tell us the kneecap injury story? The kneecap injury. I was with Amir Johnson from the Toronto Raptors. Cause this was oh really? This cause this was two years. This is when we shot Christmas Sweats. Yeah, yeah. I was messed up. Yeah, it had happened. You were just in recovery then, and it, so it's been over two years. One, two, over three years ago. No, it's why well, it hasn't even been two years yet. So it must have been. Christmas it must have been Christmas face. face. It was Christmas face. But I've been obsessed uh, with this story, uh, so okay. I I, I want to hear it in its entirety. I what, was. What happened? I, I had a show that I was actually filming for YouTube called um, Make Me Hot, where I actually write a song for an athlete, and in return, they have to make me hot in their respectable sport. So okay. episode one was, um, what's the girl who won? Carrie Shrugs, who won the Olympics. Remember, she flipped and landed on one leg and yeah. won it for the, oh, yeah. the, the girl. So she was episode one. She was showing me some stuff on the balance beam, and in return, I had to make her a hot song. We did the song. Episode one was great. Episode two was Amir Johnson from the Toronto Raptors. Okay. Um, and I, my job was to make him a hot song in the studio, and then in return, we're supposed to do a little one-on-one basketball. We did the one-on-one basketball. Then we decided we want to have a dunk contest. So we're up there. We're just dunking basketballs. We're just going crazy ape with it. And well, then, hold on. How tall are you? I'm six one almost. Six six is six one, six and a half to six one. And you can dunk a basketball? I mean uh, I'm six foot and I yeah. couldn't I can I can't touch the net. Oh yeah, I could gra- <laughs> yeah, I could grab can. the rim from the free throw line. I'm black. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, you seem kinda yeah, confused about that. We need this, to go like... back there. Okay. <laughs> Let's start with yeah. that. You're black. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, you okay, know, so Africa con- is a continent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so dunk, dunk contest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so this wasn't part of the actual <laughs> show. We were just showing off. And then I, we were outside, and I slipped on some gravel, and I hyperextended my knee. And I guess all those years, because I was a professional triple jumper in my time also. Everyone knows I was Olympic development triple jumper. So I had a lot of bounce. So I went up on that right leg. And when I went up on that right leg, you just heard this loud ass pop. It was like pop. And that was my knee in midair. It's, it's on YouTube. I'm pretty sure you saw the video because we were shooting it for the, for the YouTube video. I know. I haven't seen the video. Oh, well, go watch the video. I didn't even oh, know. Let me shut up. I can just stop talking. No, <laughs> but I, I went down, bam, landed on my back. And I was kind of in shock. So I was looking for my kneecap. So I'm on the ground like, where the hell is my kneecap? Because you, what do you mean? You looked at I've your knee that. and the kneecap was not there. It wasn't there. Therefore, you started looking on the ground? Yes. That's what you're supposed to do. Because <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't capping it wasn't, the knee. When a part of your body is not, let me, let me explain something. It's like when like, change falls out of your pocket. When, <laughs> when, when <laughs> it must be on the ground. Exactly. When something falls apart from your body, like you're you going to look Like for you were it. looking for a lost contact? <laughs> you're like crawling around? If you were in the military, let me explain something. If you're in the military and a part of your body gets shot off in war, you're going to look for your arm or your leg, okay, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> no? Yes. Okay. So I was looking for my kneecap. It wasn't where it was supposed to be. 
I grew up with kneecaps for 32 years, and I right. wanted to know where my kneecap was. And it wasn't there. So, and so. it wasn't there. And then what? So I'm looking, and Amir Johnson stands over me, and he's like, there's your kneecap. It was in my thigh. <laughs> okay. Like, okay, so what? where in the thigh? Well, my patella tendon, which is one of the biggest tendons in your body, popped. This tendon holds your kneecap onto your tibia bone, which is the bottom, From you the know, bottom. the bone in front of your calf muscle, so for the people at home. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't there, so it rolled up like a fruit roll-up. Uh, my, my quad muscle rolled up like a fruit roll-up, <laughs> and my kneecap was still as you know, take to that. Yeah. So I didn't see it because I didn't look as high as my thigh and I was just looking on the ground. How for many it. inches up your thigh are we talking about? I was about four or five inches up my thigh. <laughs> it was just like a, a kneecap bulge. It had to be about six inches. And when, on, you, when you found it, were you like, I found my kneecap? That's about nine inches up my thigh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking for my kneecap and he told me where it was. He gave me guidance. <laughs> We called the and paramedics. And so then you, do, do you start like working it back down like a tube of toothpaste or smart, what? Smart, smart. That's what I did. You I did worked that? It down. I did that. You see that every know, human. you supposed to do that? Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say because we're human. Did you Google this first? No, it's funny that you did the exact motion that I did when my kneecap was lost. That's I, exactly what I did. I, I would have I I, fainted. That's the motion I would have done. Well, you're in shock because you don't feel anything when you pop something so big. Was mm. it? Did it hurt immediately or just shock? No, you don't feel it because it's so big. It's like when someone gets stabbed 27 times, they just call the cops. They don't feel the stab. It's so much. It's so much pain that it overwhelms your brain. So that's what happened. Then when I got in the ambulance, I cried like a bitch. But, you know, <laughs> before that, I was good. But before you got in the, amb uh, the ambulance, you push it dip back down mm -hmm. all the way. But it, it wasn't stay. It wouldn't stay, of It course. rolled back up because there's yeah. no tendon. Like up. It's like a yo-yo. Like, like, no like a window shade. <laughs> exactly. So they sutured it back together, and I took. I had to take nine months on. I had to do nine months on the on the, um, on the crutch. And yeah, and that's when, when you showed up for. I guess it was Christmas face. Christmas face. Christmas you face. had. Did you have a cast? You didn't have a cast on it then, so the cast was off. Yeah. So I did nine months in, and I was just doing. Limp. I had a very weak leg. The thing is, like, um, got, leg, it got small. You showed atrophy, it to us. Atrophy yeah. did nothing, right? The atrophy. Uh, you know, I. Uh, you don't use that limb. So it's about the size of my arm. I can show you a picture where my actual right leg was the size of my arm because it was just bones. I had no muscle. It's so it's funny how fast you lose muscle. I'm going to eat this granola bar as we speak. It's so fast. Is this, is oh, this oh. the one meal right here? This is part. Actually, oh, wait, hold on. It's so you, really you eat throughout the day and call that one big meal. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really one meal a day I'm doing. I'm doing, you get to eat when the sun goes down. Let's okay, just say okay I got you. I, I get right. it. I get it. The sun's down. It is. Hey guys, the sun's down. <laughs> it's definitely down. <laughs> All right, this is this is risky because you're doing most of the talking. So you really I, you're no, gonna have to fine. swallow that. No, thing. that's fine. I'll just hold it in my cheekbone like a like okay. a chipmunk. <laughs> that's <laughs> fine. I think we've had eating before on this show. You know, I've definitely not, I've done my fair share of eating. This is the first time y'all had eating on this show. Holla at your boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got to talk Vine. Okay. Um, I know having talked to you over the years. You know, when it comes to Vine, when it comes to YouTube, when it comes to any type of social media, you're a, a student of the medium. Your brain, like from the first time I ever met you, it's like your brain is going 90 miles an hour in just laying claim to Take what, mode. whatever, yeah, whatever the, whatever the digital space has to offer. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to be schooled on Vine. You know, I'm, we, we don't do Vine. Why? We've, we've talked to some Viners, but I mean, you know, there, there's only so much margin. The videos are too long. Yeah, they're pretty long. Yeah, it just takes too much Vine time. Vine is difficult, man. I find, I find Vine actually sometimes more difficult than YouTube because you have six seconds to make millions of yeah. laugh. It's difficult to do that. You know, so um, if your punch is not in, a lot of times when we're creating a Vine, um, we get a team of people together, sometimes eight to ten people. We sit in the room, we come up with ideas and things like that, and then you have to make it perfect. So sometimes a vine could take hours to do just to get that six seconds so good that everybody would be like, no, this is funny. Because it's such, there's such a limiting factor. Such a limiting factor. What was your first reaction when hearing about vine? Five to six seconds. Like your first reaction. First thing you thought. Well, Vine wasn't initially used for the skits that we did. We brought the skits to Vine mm -hmm. um, because it, it really was just used. People was doing like little quick spurts, you know, at first. And then I saw some people doing like quick stories and things. Then when we started doing like the uh, slapstick, you know, quick skits, it was like, whoa, that's, this is something. But, but why, what made you decide to do anything 
and it's I know it was because of who you are. No, or was there something specific? Did you have a, a, somebody that you knew that was already doing it? No, no. Um, actually, my boy Bat started doing it. King Bat started doing it a few days before me, and me and him kind of like started to challenge each other on it. Like, oh, oh, now I got a thousand followers, and I think I started with three thousand followers by default because my YouTube was big, mm -hmm. and he said he was gonna catch me, and I didn't want him to catch me. Did so, you? Did you start? Were you like, okay, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it in this way? Like, let's let's do sketches. Yeah, because we didn't know what else. we didn't we 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 started doing like just funny stuff, and then then sketches just came about. We started we started doing like tricks because back in the day you couldn't do effects and things. Yeah, because so, so when you were actually using the app, like you were using the constraints of the app, like right. literally pointing and holding down point and shoot. Yeah, point but we shoot. would trick the camp. We were trying to trick the audience and do things that we were trying to every day. We would try to do something impossible with like with, example. So. Um, there were times where you would show up in one area, but and then stop violent and show up again and try to make it flawless. So you like try to make a flawless, seamless cut. You like putting your uh, iPhone or phone on a tripod. Like, how are you doing? No, that? we were we would just shoot straight off the hand. So we had like we, we had like what we call shooters, like some of the best vine shooters in the world. So we would <laughs> we would just practice the craft of shooting vines. So we would practice like, and then we had different. Um, different um, pans that we had, like the whip pan. Then we had like the fish pan and we started to make up our own types of shooting pans to actually, so we, a whip pan was something where you would like act like you slapped somebody and they would turn into someone else. So when's the book coming out? So, I mean, you know, it, <laughs> uh, none, you can't really do any of that stuff anymore because you can. You, they allow you to actually upload now. So you can just, uh, you know, and like like these days you could use you're, iMovie. You're editing some, yeah. you're editing the videos. Yeah, you could use iMovie, you could use Final Cut, you could use Premiere, whatever but you want. But there was an intermediary period there when you had a hack to do that before they allowed you to. Oh, right? you had to hack your way in. You had to. Um, you had in to... order to upload a mm -hmm. pre-edited video. Right. It was called handbrake. So you you had to handbrake the video. It was like three or five to six steps you had to go through. But you can also do six point nine, which people would be like. That's not a lot more to get a half a second, but a half a second when you got six seconds is, is a whole world of difference. That's a whole joke. Tell us about you get an extra. Hold on, you get an extra half second when you was uploading back then. You was able to do six point nine. Oh, so the lot of our vines was six point nine. So it just made it clear. You could make the joke more clear. You didn't have to do it in the restraint of six point five. But now, now it's stuck at six point five. They won't allow you to do it anymore. Huh. Explain the genius of the loop. You know, I mean, when you when you first hear about Vine as an outsider, the first thing is five to six seconds. That's that's nothing. That's crazy. That this this could never be an art form. We would, you know, we didn't, we never saw that coming. Meaning me, and then okay, and it loops. The loop made it. The loop made it phenomenal. I knew that it would be the next level because the first time you watch it, it's like cool. The second level, you chuckle, and then third, by the time you see it five times. Not only is it can a jingle be stuck in your head, but you're laughing out loud to something that you didn't see was funny or you missed things and you see it again. The loop just made it ingenious, especially business wise. So we we knew that I knew I knew that it would just be the next thing. And I knew that's where Instagram had messed up. They tried to come back and, and combat with video. I laughed at it and I said, You don't have the loop. You messed up. You and they still don't have the loop. They don't have the loop. Um, you know, and, and Vine made it so that the loop was seamless. So the loop comes back around and hits you in the face every time. So what you have to do is you have to put your punch right on that loop. And when you do that, you're going to make people laugh. Yeah, that's when you've got like the face or, I mean, there, it, there's always something mm -hmm. in each one of your Vines that when there's multiple things, but it's just like, oh, look at the expression that he right. had. So or, you hit him with the expression and you know you, it's going to loop you, Like when we were just watching the one where uh, you're moving the guy's scooter <laughs> and then he comes up from behind the fence, and then you're like, "Oh, uh, uh, what year is this? Uh, you got a helmet, and like it cuts you off in the middle of you, you have asking, to be cut off. It's the cut it off. Cuts you off in the middle of the sentence, and it was it's genius. You have to do cut off. <laughs> cut off is important. It's great. You know, the slap has you got to cut off on a slap has to cut off in the middle of a conversation because that's what people laugh at. If you finish the joke, it's not a joke anymore. So the joke is the cut off. And how did you discover what people liked? Uh, you know, trial and error. I know within the first three minutes whether or not I delete a vine. Whether or not you delete a vine. Well, there's heaters and there's deleters. You know, you know, you got a heater because you're doing your numbers. Your numbers have to be looping. You have to be doing a certain amount of numbers and a certain amount of likes or revines within a certain amount of time. If not, you know it's a delete. So off the top, even if you got Team Revine, which is basically your crew who revines your vines to, to help it blow up and make the top of the popular page, um, you know whether it's a heater or deleter. Like so, so you how much time? I know, and I I've been doing long enough to know in three minutes. Sometimes I wait till seven minutes. And what's wow. the what's the percentage of deleters? Um, because you're trying to do you. I do about one a day, right? No, um, 
it depends. Well, it's so much competition now. But if you're st- if you're still in the top ten of of um the ch- the comedy channel, then I'll keep it up and I don't have to do one until the I, I can I can take a day off. But if I'm not in top ten, then I know I fall down into like the top twenty percentile. Then I'm at the top twenty vine vines on the comedy page. I know I got to do one the next day. And so, what is the um? But then you but but then the question of how many of them are you deleting? What's the percentage there? Um, one I out of ten, one I, out of five, one out of probably like no, it could be one, one out of ten, two out of ten sometimes. Really? Um, yeah, I do about eighty percent. I know. mean, it's certainly powerful in post when you go back through them. It's like everything hits, and there's not right. a dud in the back. You have to have all heaters on your on your channel so your numbers can continue to grow. Because when someone new goes to your account, you want them to see heater after heater. I'm like, oh my god, this guy's the funniest guy in the world. And, and all of these principles, yeah. you guys invented slash discovered we made them up and who is the who is the crew that yours that you're talking about my main crew is about definitely no batch yes it's it's about 10 people it's myself king batch clarity melvin greg alfonso um anwar jabawi um there's um max jerry and dan you know um some some of the um you know like rudy mancuso uh maybe even logan and his brother um you know but the main you know Paige kennedy um, Leanne V, um, even my assistant, she's getting into it. It's really hard to find funny girls. Sometimes we work with Brittany, but the main crew is usually the hub of like ten guys. Like, what's good? Um, um, you know, whoever's in my group chat, I can tell you by just looking at my group chat because we have like an ongoing uh, uh, group chat that goes on every day with us, like homies. And and then we take the vines, we throw them in the group chat, and if everybody doesn't really approve, you know, we pretty much you know don't put it up. So like you know, um, I, I think I named everybody. Uh, but that's just became but- yeah. But that's just uh, to critique each other. You're not you're not pooling together finances too, right? I mean, is it? It's more of we just, just homies. We just yeah, critique yeah, each yeah. other's vines. Like I'll throw it in the group chat, and it's kind of like you know if if they don't like ten it, people that's don't just like feedback. It. Yeah. Now I definitely get the impression that there are more successful black viners than there are successful black YouTube comedians. Oh yeah. And yeah. do you guys? Definitely. Is that what are the reasons for that? And do you think that you guys kind of forming this crew is has been instrumental in that? Well, you know, you had at, at one point kind of like YouTube, you had the LA Viners, you had the Detroit Viners, you had the New York Viners, you had the Miami Viners. Then they all cubbed, and everybody's in LA now because I'm so big. We, you know, our comedy troupe is just like, you know, we were like the the LA Viners. You know, um, I think it does play the point that we do work with each other and continue to help each other's audience grow. Kind of like you know, do you do on YouTube? Um, but is it a black thing you wouldn't understand kind of situation? That, no, that's different than YouTube. Or what's is there no, something it, about the? It's because the, the the type of jokes you could tell on Vine you can't really tell on YouTube because like you could tell racial jokes and like edgier jokes on your Vine and, and on YouTube the comments are just different. Like if I tell the same joke on YouTube, if I did something where I slap a white person and then they slap a black person back, people on YouTube are like, oh my God, this is racist, you got to take this down. On Vine, it's just like, oh my God, they're so funny. It's just the way we led the audience to say Vine. Like we say so many times on Vine, they just laugh now. If you say it on YouTube, they're going to definitely pull it. You know what I'm saying? Vine is just more edgy and they allow you to get away with a lot more stuff on Vine because it's like the Wild West. So a lot of the jokes that we tell on Vine, I can't do on YouTube. My audience on YouTube is just way more picky than they are on Vine. They mm. just cry babies more so. And on Vine is just like, okay, this is funny, let's go. You know, it's right. that type of it's that type of comedy. I mean, is it is it like a different audience? Do you have a whiter audience on YouTube and a blacker audience on Vine? Can no, you even tell? No, you um I don't I don't think it's a difference. I don't think it's a different audience. I think it's just different people. I think it's different people all together. I didn't I never pushed my my Vine for my YouTube until I hit um, you know, almost two million followers on Vine. I never even pushed it. So like there's a lot of people on Vine that don't even know I do music. So they're like, oh my God, you rap? You know, I'm like, what? I've been doing this forever, you know? So right. I, I never wanted to mesh audiences like that. I always wanted to get a new audience. Every time I, I even when I go to like Snapchat or Facebook, I, I, I built a totally new audience. Where do all the fabulous looking women come from on your in your Vines? Oh, well, you know, Vine is 70% female, so you're always going to find Vine. And everyone wants to do a Vine. The thing about it is they don't realize how long it takes, but they say it's just six seconds of my time. That's why we work with everybody. You know, that's why we didn't contact anyone from Bieber to Floyd Mayweather to whoever we work with that we already work with. They contacted us because they don't mind doing six seconds. But it's like YouTube, like, oh, they got to get cameras. I got to go here. It's just a, I think it's all in the mentality of how people think about it. You know, so people don't mind lending you six seconds. When it comes to the ladies, so the beautiful women aren't friends. No, all of, a lot of my friends. 
We, I, I'm always gonna have beautiful girls in my vines because we know that's what sells. Beautiful girls sell, and all, and you get hit up by every beautiful girl in the world wants to hit you up once you got those numbers. All right, so we'll we'll go in. We'll, let's go back in the business direction. Yeah, let's I, talk I'll bigger bucks because I do want to know. Uh, I've heard, yeah, I've heard of people throw around. Okay, well, yeah, these these vine brand deals are just going going wild. Like yeah. brand deals are crazy because there's no partner program. No, with YouTube, you can just slap ads around and over, and Google takes care of all that, and you just get your cut and. You know? Yeah, but with Vine, it's the Wild West. Like I said, companies hit you up, independent indies hit you up. You you know they sometimes they just PayPal you a load of money, and then you just do a six second Vine for them. There's times there's some weeks. What's that, one you're proud of? Um, I I did some one for Beats that that I still kept up because I just like the numbers that I did on it. You know, I did one for Beats. And what was the creative? Like, how did you put? Was it the headphone? Was it, it was the, the headphone the commercial thing? You know, they did on the main commercial where the um you know the the camera goes around the headphones. Mine was um. Our music changes through time, so I did something from the '80s, um, then 2000, then 2015. You're I, I wearing start, the headphones the whole time, and you, right. you're, you're. It starts as a little wardrobe. A, a little no, the wardrobe stays the same, but it starts as a mini me, supposed to be about. I guess I'm like nine or ten. Or maybe even younger, like five. Then it goes to like son, who's supposed to be me again. He's fourteen. Then it goes to me, you know, a grown man. And it's like the songs change, so it goes from like I think a Michael Jackson song to like maybe Bye 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 to um, th- Young Thug, where you can't even understand. So the lyrics. you use hmm. these you, unlicensed clips. Well, and, that's because it's the Wild West. You can use whatever you want on Vine. And, was and Beats there like, doesn't care. They don't. There care. was no the agency person or the brand person that you always have to deal with. There's no ads or whatever, so they don't care. You, you use whatever you want. You can, any music you want. People love when you use their music on Vine. We one one of the, the, our main jobs on Vine is to break music. I get con- you know contacted from almost um, every label out from Universal to Capital. We broke so many songs last year that you probably wouldn't even know. From Wiggle to My Hitter to whatever, Viners broke those songs. I got a I got a check and I dispersed it amongst five or six Viners on my team, and we break the song. And so then some of but then some of them you you just say okay well. In the contract, I got to keep this thing up for a week, and then I and then I'm gonna take it down. Or oh, for a brand deal, yeah, we keep it up. I mean, the contract is usually a week or to ten days because that's when the vine kind of like dies out, and you pull it. I just didn't pull the beats one because I liked it, but mm-hmm. I've I've put up brand deals, and then after a week, it goes down. We pushed apps to the top of the app store. You know, we we pushed songs to the top of the iTunes charts. I put a song out myself, and it set on the top of iTunes charts in the hip hop section for two weeks. Uh, you know, so. Hmm. I mean, so you've obviously asserted yourself in this medium and you've done so much with YouTube and you know we've got all the history there but I'd love to paint more of the derive the whole backstory and just go back to that okay. so give us the daystorm backstory where'd you grow up I grew up in um I was born in Virginia stayed there for like not even a year and then my my mom moved and I have seven siblings we grew up I grew up in Baltimore the projects of Baltimore city uh you know Baltimore is a very uh, unique town. Um, you, Baltimore is one of the only cities in this country that they use to actually test new drugs. So, like, if you think Who's about they? like the government, whoever oh. whoever it is, like, if there's a new drug on the market, they just put it pumping in the black community in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of crackheads. Like when they say crackheads, that's like Baltimore. That's what pretty much was invented. Well, I think of uh, the Wire. The, the series. The Wire is like a very polished version of Baltimore. And it's super gritty. And it's super gritty. And it's a great, I mean, have you yeah. watched it or you're like, well, I, I love that, it. I don't wanna watch I watched, it. I watched some of it and I was just like, oh my God, this is not really my town. I mean, my town's worse than this. Worse I, than that? Oh yeah. I, I can't I, imagine, what do you mean worse? How how could it be worse than The than the what, Wire? What white people enjoy on television as close as, you know? <laughs> cause you, cause, cause I actually saw it. Is, huh? I saw like bodies in those row houses when coming home from school. I would see dead bodies in the row houses. I see like a seven year old girl get shot in the head in the bodega. They don't call it bodegas of Baltimore in the corner store. Um, you know, you see some crazy what? shit. How old were you when you see a seven year old get shot in I the was, head? I was probably like 13. And this is just stray gunfire? Well, yeah, because it, some guy owed another guy money. He didn't have it and he shot at him and it, and it hit the girl. Did you know her? I didn't know the girl. No, she probably was from the projects over, uh, across the street. But, I mean, in Baltimore, you're fighting every day. I mean, there wasn't a day that went by where we wasn't in some type of fight, you know, or, or me and my brothers wasn't fighting other kids and stuff. So, And and, and you said in your, your Draw My Life video on YouTube that your mom and you, you the kids, you guys left your dad. And that was when, or your dad left. Or well, before I was living in the projects, my, my mom and dad was happily, ma- well, not unhappily married. And... 
he was abusive. So my father was an abusive man and he would hit on my mom. So I would fight him and he would knock me out. So she didn't want me to grow up and either kill him or him kill me. So she left and took the kids and he didn't give her the house. So that's when we moved to the projects. Hmm. So uh, she took the kids, we moved to the projects, and then it's like, whoa, crap, crap, I'm 13, just becoming a teenager, and I'm living in the projects now. I got to learn how to not be a suburban-ish middle-class kid, now I got to learn how to be a ghetto kid. So from 12, I think I was 12, so from 12 to, you know, 17, 18, you know, I'm growing up in the projects, Hmm. trying to learn to adapt. And so at that point, was your dad just completely out of the picture? Yeah, he was. He 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 was balanced. He went. He was some crazy liberal liberalist who moved. Who was, uh, you know, a conspiracy theorist who just dipped. You know, I don't even know if he's still alive. I I, I heard a few years ago that he was dead somewhere. So I don't know. Hmm. How did you adapt? Um, to the projects, you you learn how to fight. Uh, my mom put me in like things like karate, so I had my purple belt and and um, you know, taekwondo. And you learn how to just street fight a lot. Um, we didn't have money, so we, we moved around a lot. I went to like five elementary schools, five middle schools. Um, and we would just get evicted a lot. You know, we was eating from behind the supermarkets. You know, just ghetto shit. And um, to adapt, we would um, just we would just fight. I had my brothers. My mom just taught us to stick together. You, you can't come in the house unless you bring your brothers with you. So it was one of those things where family was just tight. We're still tight today because of things that she taught. So, you know, you... You learn how to just become conniving. I, you know, boost cars and running, you know, just things I wasn't too proud of, breaking in people's houses and stuff, you know, to to survive. You know, it's just what we did. Did you, did you get caught? Yeah, I got caught. I went, you know, I got locked up a few times. You know, I got, um, I went to juvie first. And then, you know, when you first get locked up, the first thing they say is you got to go in there and you got to knock somebody upside the head or you're going to become somebody's bitch. So okay. I went in and I just had to knock some kid upside the head so they they would know that I wasn't playing games. That so, worked? Oh, yeah, it worked. And so you were the youngest boy in the family, right? Younger sisters, but all older brothers. Oh, yeah, four younger sisters, three older brothers. One of my brothers was a, a, like, you know, he wasn't with, in the house as much because he was, you know, slinging. He was a street pharmacist. Oh, I get it. Right. I guess. So, I mean, with three older teenage brothers right. in this, in you know, the outcome of a, of a black male in that situation, it typically... A lot of times you either you get, you you get killed dead. or you mm-hmm. get you go to prison. Or you go to prison or you die of something like some disease or something. I mean, I don't have any friends that grew up in that area that made it out. But my mom, was she was one of those types that kept us in activities. I think it was a blessing that we didn't have a TV and radio. So she kept us just doing creative things. We would make up songs and just rap about cars going down the street. And we would... Uh, just and then she sent me to the School of the Arts on a scholarship because I was a good artist. So I went to like um, Baltimore City School of the Arts and I started drawing like murals on church walls and in mosques and things like that of like the Last Supper and and Allah. With, with and, permission. With permission. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't just break in and do it, guys. So did did the juvie experience was that like the awakening or and then it was the turning point to positivity or did it did it go further in the opposite direction after that? No, it went further in the opposite direction after that. Um, I think the awakening was, you know, um, just just realizing how hard my mother was working to try and do something positive. I'm like, she's, she's busting her ass to get us to do something and just seeing everybody around me die. How like, bad did it get for you personally? Um, it, it got bad, but I think the music... You know, I was I was always running track, but there's never no more money in, in in track and field. But the music, when our song hit the radio, and my mother she approached me, she's like, "God, you got you, you know, you boys, you're talented. You got nothing, and you got a song that's playing in all the nightclubs." Oh, really? Yeah, we had you know they, did, they had Baltimore club music like "Make Way for the Big Girl," boom, 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 all that type of stuff. So we had two like hits on the radio. You me, and like me, a- me and my brother. Okay. So, um, you know, my brother actually I, I felt was more talented than me. He was a better rapper. And, you know, he just had more skills. He just, and was that, did that come from like mixtapes being passed around or from knowing somebody and having like, no, we knew a in DJ. the studio? We knew a DJ and we would just go into his studio and just do stuff. And then we had a song that just blew up, you know, and then, um, um, you know, all of the radio just picked it up. And then my mother was like, if you can make it here, then just go to New York and see if you can make it there. And I'm like... 17, 18 years old, my, you know, my son's on the way, and I'm like, I got to get out of here. So they threw me a party, and I just went to New York. Yeah, so. So how, how? old were you when uh, when you had your son? Uh, eight, how old? I, was, uh, I guess I was turning 18 when Tavion was born. Um, t- uh, 18 or 19 years old. I wasn't 20 yet. Hmm. And so, you, But you were, so before he was born, 
you went off to New York in order to. So yeah, so I I pick um, your mom up on her challenge. Another day, another challenge. Another day, another challenge. I went. I knew a guy named Doobie who worked at Bad Boy Records. And me and him would talk back and forth. And I remember being in Maryland and I would do, I did like a hundred drops for different DJs and I would email them to them and they were using them in their mixtapes. So my name was blowing up. It was like this Daystorm guy. He's, he's kind of like blowing up on the mixtape scene. And then he, she, he was, and then Doobie saw my, heard my stuff. And he was like, man, you got to come to New York. I work at Bad Boy. And in your mind, someone works at a label, you're going to go. You're like, oh, I'm like, this is huge. So I packed up my little Eclipse. Um, you know, I got a little money to get that. I was working at Red Lobster down in Maryland, and I packed my Eclipse, and I just went to um, New York. I landed. I was standing at this crackhead's house on 135th, 134th and Adam Clayton Powell. And, um, you know, when I got there, I'm, I'm, he, I'm working at Bad Boy um, as an engineer with him. And he got fired because him and, um, I think, like, Harv, Pierre, I don't know who it was at the time, they got into an argument. And then Doobie was like, man, you know, if you came here with me, we out. And I'm like, hold up. What you mean we out? I came all the <laughs> way from Baltimore. I can't just be out. But my loyalty had, you know, I had to roll with him. So I didn't have that gig anymore. But I had my job from Red Lobster transferred to New York. New York. Actually, I worked there with Alpha Cat from YouTube. Really? <laughs> really? Also, yeah, the same him, Red Lobster in yeah, New York? In at New the York. Same That's time? where you met. At the same exact time. That's where I met Alpha Cat. <laughs> so we work at, we, we were working at Red Lobster, Times Square or whatever, and I got fired because I had these long braids in my hair. And I remember like even Alpha Cat was like, man, you might, might want to cut your hair. It's your only job. I ain't cutting my hair. Samson lost his hair. He lost his power. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on some shit like that. And then next thing you know, I got fired. But I sued the whole Red Lobster organization and I won. I didn't what? Get, How I didn't long get, did that take? It took years. But the point is, I won. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't get any money at the time. So I'm, 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 I'm jobless. And my last check was like, like you got seven different types of shrimp, shrimp on you know, one plate. The, the scampi <laughs> settlement. I was like, man, lifetime <laughs> shrimp and Alfredo sauce and biscuits, cheddar biscuits, cheddar biscuits. <laughs> I, I, but, but at I, the time, you're you have braids, but you have no job. You have no bad boy connect. I had nothing. I had a check. Then what? I had a check for like four hundred dollars, and with the four hundred mm, some odd dollars, I forgot what it was. I guess you gotta watch my draw my life uh, plug. And um, so with the four hundred and some odd dollars, I I brought five items, and I called my brother, and I told him what I was gonna do. It was my master plan at the okay. time. I, I I think back, and I guess I'm crazy, but I I I paid my cell phone bill for two months. I brought two outfits. I brought an amp and a keyboard. I got tinted windows for my car, and um, I think, tinted windows for your car, right? So let me tell you the plan. So so the plan was I knew, see, the crackhead, right, that I, whose house I was living in, she had this pimp, and he was a big black dude, right? And I knew I couldn't take him, or at least I didn't think I could take him. So I knew if I didn't pay him his rent, he was going to kick me out of the house, right? So I said, all right, this is going to kick me out of the house, so I need to tint the windows on my car so I can have somewhere to live. Okay. Got it? Got it. So Privacy. I, Right, so I, I I brought the um amp and the keyboard, which is ironic because it's an eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. You right, you right. <laughs> I brought the amp and the keyboard because I knew that I needed a job. I knew that I had a couple little bit of pipes on me, and I, so I said, in New York, no one knows my face like that. I could go into the subways and I can sing and make some money at least, so I could put gas in the car and get food every night until I get back on my feet. So that was going to be my job. So that was the amp and the keyboard thing. Right. Right. So then I brought the two outfits because I knew I had to continue to do gigs throughout New York because I wanted to get a big break. So I was still doing shows in Harlem, Brooklyn, Queens and Manhattan doing shows because and you got to look good at these shows because no one's going to take your demo or anything if you don't look good at the shows. So I had to get the outfits. Got to look dope in New York. Got, got it. it. Got so it. finally, I paid my phone bill for two months because the scariest person in the world to me is my mother. And if she can't get in contact with me and I don't have my phone on, she's going to whip my ass. Plus, I was lying to her, telling her I was hanging out with Diddy and stuff. And she's gonna be like, <laughs> how's your phone off if you're hanging with Diddy? So I had to keep living this lie. Oh, wow. So I kept my phone on and said, F*** it, I'm going to just keep my phone on. So that was what I did with the last bit of the money. So next thing you know, I'm living in my car and everything started to work out. I told my brother what happened. He thought I was crazy and we continued on to the on that road. So your brother was up there with you too? No. He, he was he was back home telling me, bring your ass home and and take that four hundred dollars and get on that Greyhound. And did it get worse before it got better? Oh, it got way worse. I, I um came home one day and the car that I that I was living in the it got the eclipse. Oh, come on, man, it's a dope car. Whoever has an eclipse, man, shout out to you. <laughs> um, the eclipse got burned up. 
I'm so, sorry for laughing. <laughs> so they <laughs> what? <laughs> you yeah. weren't in it. I hope. No, I was coming. I was I was coming home, and they burned my my eclipse was burnt down. They said it was some solar. kids. Okay, so it was a solar eclipse. They, it yeah. was a solar. Right, yeah. The tinted windows didn't didn't help. <laughs> Dude, although was, I can't. It was is, a solar eclipse. This is this story is crazy. Hey man, I'm gonna eat some more of this granola bar. It was, a, <laughs> it was a solar eclipse. They burnt my car down. The amp keyboard, everything was in the eclipse. Is that your whole your whole life was outfits. in there? My whole life. I had the outfit on my back. And my phone in my pocket, but I had to pay the bill. I was with Sprint. You know, they cut you off once you go a penny over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody was Sprint. Y'all know that. This ain't AT&T or Verizon. <laughs> they burned your... Okay, so what happened who then? Is, who is they, by the way? That I don't know. The cops said it was some kids who did it, or they said it was an electrical fire. But I didn't get it because it was the middle of February. It was freezing. Snow was like freaking five feet high. How is it even, how is it even a flame at that, that temperature? Science. Science. I don't know. Definitely weird science. I mean, th- so then what? You're homeless. I'm homeless. Eventually, I find myself living in the subway. So I'm in the subway system, and I was one of those homeless people in New York. <laughs> what, were you, what were you thinking at that point? Were, 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 you know, I've always wondered, when somebody's in that situation, are they thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to get out of this. It's only a matter of time. Or are you thinking, like, is this the beginning of me being this person for the rest no, of my life? No, actually, you'd be thinking, like, damn, I'm hungry. Um, let me find out how I'm going to eat. Right, that's all you really think about. Pretty immediate. You're just immediate about. You're just thinking about your day, your day to day. You don't think about your future. You don't think about your past. You just think about your yet that moment. Like, all right, I'm cold. Okay, I'm hungry. Oh my God, you got McDonald's. It smells so good. So these are the mm-hmm. thoughts that's going through your head. You're not even because you can't think straight. You right. got to feed your brain. So I would sit up, you know, till six. I would <laughs> ride the subways, you know, throughout the day, and um, just try to figure things out. And and you know, when you finally eat, then you start to figure like, okay, now what am I gonna do? Um, no one's going to talk to me because I'm probably dirty. So I'll go to Macy's and I'll wash up and I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? So you're just trying to- In Macy's? <clears throat> well, yeah, because they had great great sinks and it was clean. Hmm. So I'd go to you know, 42nd Street, go to Macy's, what's 42nd? Whatever Macy's is on. And I would just go up there and wash up in their sinks. Really? You know, and it, that was just my life for about six weeks, which is a long time. People are like, oh, you just home for six weeks. I'm like, that's a long ass time. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's it is. To be on the street. Um, so I mean, I don't camp more than- Two nights at a time. Yeah, right. It's hard. Especially in those rat infested subway systems, you know what I'm saying? In February. February is cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In New York. Right. Um, so 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 from there, um I was um trying to figure things out, you know, um like what am I gonna do? I guess I gotta go home. So eventually I decided I'm gonna go home and I was walking to make the phone call to go home. True story. I was going to go call my brother and say, Yo, I'm coming home, I'm not gonna make it. And a card and then this is what I was saying in my journey my life. It fell into the snow, and I'm looking down at this card, and I'm like, like do, a, I, do I call this card? A business card. A business card. So I like, do I call the number on a business card, or do I call my brother and go home? What do you mean? Just a random number on a business I, card? Because the thing is, like, when you're doing all these shows, people give you a bunch of business cards and things. So I had a bunch of business cards. And one of the business cards fell into the snow. I picked the business card up, and I said, I'm going to call that number. I called the number on the business card. This girl, she answers the phone. She's like, oh, my God, they stormed my boss. He loves you to death. He loves your demo. We, he has to meet you. And I'm just this proud-ass dude. I'm like, well, if he want to meet me, he need to meet me now because I got meetings. And then she's she's like, no, you can't meet him now. He's I got to be at Macy's. Right. <laughs> she's like, you're going to have to meet him in two weeks. And I'm like thinking in my head, I ain't got two weeks. I ain't got two out. I ain't have two minutes. Uh-huh. So I was like, no, you know what? Never mind. Because I thought it was bull because it's all bull to me by that point everybody's bull- so i was ready to hang up on she said no 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 let me just put jonathan on the phone she puts jonathan feingold on the phone and jonathan's like oh my god they storm i love you demo man you gotta meet me he said but i'm about to go out to the hamptons and chill i'll meet you in a week i said jonathan man f- you man I, whatever i'm about to hang he's like no 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 come meet me right now <laughs> so really? I, I i called his bluff i jumped the turnstile went to the lower east side and i met with jonathan I go into his pad his lace they got platinum albums and stuff all over the I mean, could he tell that you were just off the street at that point? Or he, 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 was going, up? he was going by my demo. I know, but when you walked in the room. When I walked in the room, I, I don't know what the hell he was telling, but I, I told him my story like straight up. He was just running his mouth. Like, I can do this for you. I can do that. I was like, well, look, look, man. If you could do whatever for me, cut me a check. I'm living on the streets. And he was shocked. He was floored. Hmm. So he cut me a check right on the spot. And so and what that was you, you some do sort of that? a deal too? Um, from, from there, I'm, I went from a hostel to a, a little apartment to, um, a studio to, you know, a bigger studio. He started getting me placements on shows on MTV, VH1. 
I did some backing music for like Entourage. I did a lot of stuff. And what what years are we talking about? This was this was um two um I guess two thousand and five or two thousand you know four two thousand and five. Okay. And um, I started getting back into my track and field, into my fitness and everything, you know, just in case the music didn't go well. So I just became you know a better better athlete. Um, all the while, my family knew none of this was going on. So what, all, what did they think was happening? They thought I was just at the label working the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for, for for me to actually start coming up and them to start hearing things, they was like, "Wow, you really came up!" And I'm like, "Yep, I sure did." So, um, it was just one of those situations. I mean, I've been through poverty, so it was nothing, you know, like for for me to like live that lie. And then they found out later. They was like, "I knew something was up. I knew it. You ain't no." Well, you talked about uh, some of the jobs that you had. I don't know exactly what. 30 jobs. Okay, 30 jobs. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned some interesting ones. Uh, construction worker, pizza boy, security guard, stripper? I was a, I was a, I was a stripper. I got into stripping because me and my boy, Sean, this girl named Janae had a, had a party at in college. And I, I went to Morgan State, then I went to Bowie State, which is a D3 school. But she had a party in college, and the stripper didn't show up. So my friends Shayna and Candace invited me and Sean. What's up, Sean? They invited us out to actually dance for them, you know, because we were fit. So they said, why don't y'all come dance for us? We'll give you 200 bucks. A lot of money in college. We need ramen noodles. So I was like, you know, yeah, we'll come dance for you. So we crawled out on our hands and knees on all fours out of the bathroom. And it was nine girls in the room. I get up on the bed. I'm dancing in front of the girls. And this big girl, she pulls down my pants. And they all start screaming. I'm like, oh. First I was embarrassed, but then I wasn't anymore. So next thing you know, my, my Sean's in the corner with four girls entertaining them. And I'm on the bed entertaining the other five girls. They paid us to, to pull out. I was like, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" That's, yeah, that, that's a stripper. That's a stripper. <laughs> You're like, that, that's when, in the moment, you realize, that, "I am a stripper." <laughs> well, I am. She a just stripper. stripped me. Yeah, right. She stripped me. When you are stripped. I, but but the thing is, like five. Then then we started a company called Five Guys Productions. It was me, Sean, this dude named um, Drez, and two other guys, and we would just go to different colleges from Coppin to Morgan to Howard, and we would just go to all these different colleges, and we would just dance for college girls. And I, by, right then, I found myself, and then I was a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> so I started like dancing at at um, um the nightclub. Down and so that was DC. between that was between Baltimore and mm -hmm. New York. That mm -hmm. was the the college experience. The college experience. The stripper yeah. experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was fun. Okay, so then I'm I, I'm trying to connect the dots, or I'd I'd love to it to be connected between that that music experience to YouTube. Okay, so uh, I was doing music. Um, I I, I worked uh, when I finally I went to Universal Records and I worked under like Jeff Finster. I went to Atlantic under Damon Eden, who cut me with my first check for Trey Song's first single. Um, and 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 from there I started writing for a lot of artists. I met with like Miss Whitney Houston, which was amazing. Rest in peace. Um, so I was just meeting a lot of artists and stuff. And you, I was you met Whitney Houston in person in order to potentially write, write for her. a song. I wrote three for songs, her. three songs, and they enjoyed the songs actually. But she was going through some things and stuff like that, so that was kind of crazy. Um, but mm -hmm. I was I was actually becoming a, a a more noted writer like Neo at the time, um, young writer in uh, New York. But music doesn't sell as fast, and it takes a while to get the checks and the clearing and stuff. So I, I knew I was good at fitness. So what I did was I got involved with fitness, and I became a personal trainer. I got my um, NASM, my AC, um, uh, ACE, and my EASM, which is three certifications through fitness. Um, I became a, um, a personal trainer, and then eventually a master trainer. I got my strength, stretch, Pilates, and kickboxing certifications also. So I started to train a lot of clients at Crunch Fitness. Then I went over to New York Health and Racket. Then I went over to New York Sports Club for a few years also. So I'm training at New York Sports Club in Brooklyn. And I had this old-ass lady. And she was like, Daystorm, I don't remember my workouts. Can you um, put them on the internet for me? So I started putting workouts on MySpace. And what, do you remember her name? Because I don't she needs a thank you note. I, I, don't. I see where this is going. <laughs> I know, right? So um, I don't remember her name, though. But I, I remember putting her workouts on MySpace, and she didn't. Were you like uh, talking to her specifically? No, no. Like, but okay, I, hello, Jane. Gladys. Yeah, I was like, look, Gladys, <laughs> damn it, let me put your workouts on MySpace so you could stop forgetting, damn it, <laughs> Gladys, man. So I'm putting Gladys's workouts on MySpace, but she was too old. To, she didn't have a MySpace account, you know, because it was young guys, me, Tom, you know. Yeah. So um, we're sitting on MySpace, and all of my other clients were able to log in because they had you know MySpace account, but she didn't have one. So I was like, I gotta find someone else to put their 
workout. So I'm looking for it, and then I found YouTube. I go to YouTube, and it's this whole new world. I put it on there, and when I put it on there, it was like getting all these comments. With the fitness videos, was getting comments from people I didn't know. I said, like, oh, somebody from Germany just hit my video. Mm-hmm. So then I read an article, and it was talking about guys like you and Phil Franco and stuff like that. And I was like, who are these f- what do you mean? What is a YouTuber? What does that even mean? So I started studying you guys. And I'm like, wow, these guys are like, this is crazy. So that was back when before you could just get a partnership by uploading a video. Right. This was like when you had to have those three stipulations, a certain amount of views, subscribe, right. blah, blah, blah. So I said, I'm going to fight and get these subscribers. When I get my first Google check, I'm going to be the man. So I'm right. I'm right trying to get my first Google check so that I can start making money on YouTube. And that's how I started getting on the whole YouTube thing. Just fitness. I, yeah, I was just doing fitness, not no music at all. But then, like, but one, you even like if you go back now to your earliest videos, I there's a I think there's a lot that you made that are now private, but there's still some fitness videos there. But they kind of have a hook to them. Oh yeah, that it seen. I don't they know if a, you changed the titles later or if you even knew from the get go from your studies that you give it that title. Like, what was the high jump one or? Oh yeah, it was like the highest jump ever or the best push ups ever. Yeah, I knew yeah. that I had to give it a title. Right. I, I knew that early. All those videos got millions of views. Mm-hmm. I have some of the highest view fitness videos on it because I knew if I titled them, I knew years down the road that people would watch them because of the title and thumbnail. I just knew that off the jump because this was back when you only could pick with the three thumbnails. You couldn't even up- upload a thumbnail. Right. So um, I, I was doing that. And then I said, I said, I got to become a YouTuber, not just a guy on YouTube. I have to become a personality. And that's when um, I think it was like um, seven, eight, nine. Was that that was the, the the final moment for me because I that's when I met you guys I think mm-hmm, yeah and I, I it was the it was seven eight eight and I said I can write songs I've been doing this all my life I said I'm gonna make a song it was eleven o'clock at night I wrote the song I'm not um um um, um it's seven eight nine whatever that song goes and, and just to, just to just to uh, fill people in seven eight nine July eight two thousand nine July eight two thousand nine was a um. Uh, YouTube gathering of YouTube creators. One of the first. One of the first. The first and that it, we went to. It was just creator led, like some some smaller YouTube channels in New pull, York. Pull this thing together in right. New York. Right. We so flew up there and I met wrote you a, and a number of people. That's when I wrote that song and I said I'm gonna get all these big YouTubers and I studied all of y'all and I said I'm gonna get all these big YouTubers to be in my um in my song. I said why would they say no? It's a gathering. This is the way you do it. And if I write something and I show them that this guy has all this talent, they'll they'll jump in. And that's when I did that um we're, that, we're, that we were in it, right? Yeah, you were in it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember I had forgotten that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, I studied you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, again, crazy. a student uh and then a, just a voracious appetite for figuring it out and then a tenacious mm-hmm. commitment to getting that's what I remember from the first time I met you was voracious and tenacious mentally and you were going to kill like yep. you knew it you know and I even and made the lyrics you, so that everybody could want to sing it, you know. I didn't know, I know your know you're probably wondering what I do. <laughs> then you could come subscribe to my YouTube. <laughs> and then you think of that. I'm almost famous. And then I would just let them know that I'm almost famous because I knew one day I would, I, it, would it would crack, you know. So. Right. Oh, it, it all makes sense now. Yeah. So I just, had, I just had like a plan, you know, and then it just all just like formulated and came together, you know. And so mm-hmm. the next uh, few years, you experienced some incredible success on YouTube. And then you've been pretty public about this. In 2012, there was a change on the YouTube platform that impacted your views. You actually wrote uh, an, uh, a piece in Forbes, oh, yeah. Forbes about that. Yeah, it's like you, you, you're the another day, another challenge guy. You did a whole year of that, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was really sent you through the roof on YouTube, but then in your own words, it, I don't know if you use the word collapse, but you tell us. Well, I did like, a, I, I, I did like, a, I found my niche, which was doing the, the challenges. It was a hundred challenge. I did a hundred challenges. Um, I just did them like every Monday and Wednesday. I actually talked to Joe Penn, a Michigan guitar man, and he was like, I'm doing Tuesdays and Thursdays. They storm. Why don't you do Mondays and Wednesdays? And you, you, you just blow up. Just do every two times a week. He's like, um, if you write a good song, and I said, I can write, I just write a good song. And I, next thing you know, I'm you know I'm making CNN and you know everything from National Geographic, you name it. And I'm starting to work with collaborators, not collaborators, everybody from you guys to Justine to you name it, every, every YouTuber. Then I think 2012 came around, late 2012, they started changing the platform. And this was back when, when if you had good content, especially as a musician, you can compete against the you know the Rihanna's, the Eminem's, and if you had good content, you'll make front page and just you just do it. It was fair. YouTube changed the platform on us. And when they changed the platform on us, I'm not going to be quiet about it. that. So I said, yeah, you changed the platform. And when they did that, I think a lot of the grandfathered channels in there started to lose a lot of the views. And my channel was hit. And I noticed, I started getting all these comments from people saying, oh, we didn't, I didn't even get your video. 
And then my Twitter started, started blowing up. And I was like, how many of you got my video? And everybody's like, none of us. So I went to my Facebook. They're like, none of us. So I, I, I realized that. So I went and I took a trip to actually YouTube because YouTube loved, loved me at the time. And they still do. So I took a trip to YouTube and I wasn't supposed to talk about it, as they say. But I don't care, man. I make my own money. I went down there and I said, is there a problem with my channel? They said, yes, there is a problem with your channel that we can't fix on the back end. They said only about 20 to 30 percent of your your uh, subscribers are getting your videos and we can't really fix it. I said, well, can you at least take this the, the over a million subscribers I have and push them to another channel so that I can start because I'm tired of making content and, it, and it's failing because as soon as they changed the platform, I went from getting a million views a video to literally probably like 150 to 200,000 views a video. So I'm, 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 I'm at the top of my YouTube game and I'm like, wait a minute. So this is not, you know, it's not working for me anymore. So that's when I did the, they, they was like, well, we can't fix it. I said, well, you got to figure something out because, I, you know, I'm losing, you know, six, seven, you know, so much money, you know, and not mm -hmm. even that, just my fans are not seeing it. So I got people complaining to me like, oh my God, we're not getting your videos. You sell out, you left us. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm posting, but you're not seeing my video. What do you want me to do? So it became a thing. So that's when I did the article in for new and new media rockstar, just telling them about how YouTube was broken and they needed to fix it. Because YouTube started focusing on doing so many other things with Vivo, and I get it, it's business. But at the same time, they forgot about the little guys like and, and people who spent their life growing YouTube and putting their name behind YouTube. And I wasn't going to be quiet about it. But then, what's the conclusion of the matter for you at this point? Was it well now? Look at me on Vine. How do you see YouTube? Did something change or did you shift? No, it's just like when I see something blowing up, you know, like I watch the kids, especially like my son and him. They're like cool kids. So I'm like, if I see them on something heavy, I say, wait a minute, this must be the next thing. So he's like, Dad, are you on Vine? I'm like, what's Vine? So I say, oh, God, these kids are watching it every day. So I said, if it's, this audience, is these of the attention span is that short and now they're watching Vine, I got to get on Vine. But what happened on YouTube and how do you see it now? Because there's... Well, I see YouTube now as just a place. Uh, I see it for my personal channel. I see it as a place to put longer form content. I still love And I know my fans are still there, the ones that can see it. I know I'm never going to probably get the views that I used to get unless I grow a new audience on there. But now that I've grown, I have almost I have five, almost five million followers on Vine already. And I can take those five million followers and just start telling them to go check out my YouTube videos and I can grow a new audience that will see the videos. And although the million that I lost or whatever on YouTube already are gone, I could get a whole totally new audience to start watching my longer form content. And I knew that was the, the overall plan. So I put, I dedicated a year and a half into Vine and, and you know, I grew 5 million followers and I'm going to take those 4.5 million followers. You know, I'm getting 300, 400,000 followers a month on, on Vine. And your YouTube mm -hmm. channel is, your there's the home for your singles that you release so yeah so now i use it for like um i use my music channel just to release singles and things and a lot of them are pushed through my vine and stuff like i put out a victory dance and it's already hitting six hundred thousand views that's good for me on youtube and how much are you, time and energy are you investing in, as a musician well you know music is my first thing so i'm always going to invest time but i'm not putting out eps Oh, I'm not putting out albums anymore. I'm just trying to get that one single because my job. I already, I already did a single that did a hundred thousand units. I put out a, a you know, um, um, a record and I, I sold fifty thousand units. But, um, but is being a Vine comedian a real barrier? To being a legitimate recording artist? No, I don't think so because of the type of comedy I do. Like I'm not doing like you know I'm I'm just being me and they just find it funny. You know, it's not like me acting as a character. So it doesn't take away from me as a, as a recording artist. And plus, in the beginning, I always established that I was a recording artist. So, like, you know, I go in there and I just do funny stuff. And there's other, you know, musicians on Vine that's just, you know, do funny stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't think it hinders me. I think that... But, but, to be but to be successful as either one of those things, doesn't it take everything you've got? Mm. I mean, especially with the way the music industry is. Today. No, because I, you know, you know, I've I've gained so many um, relationships now. You know, what I'm saying like now, they're like, oh my god, now he's chilling with Justin Bieber now. Like, oh my god, now Drake's calling and want to now Drake want to do a Vine. Nicki laughing at the vines. Oh my god, that's so funny. You know, what I'm saying so. You got all the biggest musicians in the world who I think Vine is is, is all right. So hold on, we got to pause now because you just dropped a couple of names and we gotta we got so you're talking hanging out with Justin Bieber. Well, or yeah, talking with Drake. Well, yeah, because the, these are real experiences. These are well, yeah. I got a vine with Justin. You know, we, we did a vine with Justin. Off. And at, at what point in 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 his life was this? Uh, There's been many phases to, <laughs> to the guy. <laughs> he has a lot of actually. He's one of the coolest dudes, man. Um, we 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 you know I go to parties 
we just was at a party with him last week, you know. So like he's a cool dude. He's just, you know, like I I think in his his situation, a lot of people just don't understand. Like it's hard. I wouldn't want to live his life because he can't even go out in the street, you know. And it's just difficult because I when I go to his house, I see lines wrapped around the corner. It's like, can he go to Chipotle? You know, like it's just hard for to to live that life. So you just become this introvert, and and, and it's kind of a problem hanging, you know, hanging around. But he's cleaned himself up a lot i've seen when he went through the whole phases of like messing with some 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 hard stuff and now he's like you know he's good you know and he's working on music again he's 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 doing well but when you talk about drake or nikki or any of these people i mean i guess your point is that your vine status is your is your access to everything wh- wh- whatever whatever you want whatever you want vine is different like with youtube it was more of an underground um, movement, but Vine is more of an overground movement. The traditional really latched on to Vine. That's why you see them on World Star and, and things like that. And actually, in reality, I get more views from my Vines on YouTube than my YouTube channel ever got, just by the just by you know uh, people putting you like know, a compilation compilations. Yeah. yeah, my compilations do better than my entire YouTube channel. So you know, um, Vine opened doors that I never I never was able to touch. You know, the people that I wanted to contact, even through my YouTube, you know, they buying just opened those doors. You know, we work with everybody from Kid Ink to you name them. We, we, we probably work with them on, on the Vine because it, it, it touched traditional media, media more than, you know, YouTube did. And now uh, your son just passed uh, a million Yeah, my son hit a million Vine. followers on Vine. Shout out to Tavion who hit a million followers on Vine. So he's, clean, he's killing it too. So, I mean, tell us about that because, you know, we've got kids a little bit younger than him who are uh, asking about starting YouTube channels, et cetera. And we, and we, we ha- so far they, ha- they haven't done anything. But w- w- you know, w- what's, your, what's the status of your relationship with your, with your son now? Is, does he live with you? How often do you yeah, see him? Yeah, it's just me and him. Um, um, we both live together, it's just me and him. I'm a single father who, who's raising him and his crazy ass friends. <laughs> I feel like I'm a father to everybody. But um, I raise him, you know, and he's doing well. You know, he, he, follow, he sees us vining and things like around that, so it makes him kind of want to do it. He got involved in it early. And he was, uh, you know, um, now he has a million followers on Vine. He's about to get, you know, he just landed, he just did that National Jordan commercial, um, um, you know, with Jordan's first commercial, one of Jordan's first um, shoe commercials that came back. My son was the main, main character in that. Um, and he's getting a lot of work, you know, um, Disney, Nickelodeon. Now he's about to get like um, a, a huge management man, manager who's going to like really just start to push his career to the next level. He's a little lazy TV, I get off your ass, but you know. So, what's your? I mean, what's your fatherly advice for him? Um, I I just tell him to do what he love. Um, you know, don't don't follow in anyone's footsteps. Do what he wants to do. Like if he wants to be a football player, doctor, astronaut, whatever he wants to do, I I want him to do. I don't I don't force him to do anything, and he just does it on his own account. I just I just want him to stick to something. I just tell him, don't be a quitter. That's that's my advice. Whatever it is he do, just don't quit. And and he's doing well. You know, he gets his own brand deals. And um, you know, I I can't, you know, I I can't even control that little bastard, man. He well, was... you, I mean, you tell him not to follow in anyone's footsteps, but if he follows in yours, I think that uh, he'll be fine. He'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. So yeah, we appreciate uh, hearing your story, and uh, I would ask you to sign the table, but unlike any other guest ever, you just sat down and signed it. Oh man, I mean, you know, they're egg, hey, man. People at home, they 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 tempt me. They got water, coffee, and a magic marker, man. It's like, you know, what do you want me to do? So I grabbed the magic marker and I just had to hit the I mean, it's fine. It's done. Okay. It's good. Okay, and all right. And this is done, I guess. Thanks, man. No doubt. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, our Ear Biscuit with Daystorm Power. I learned a few things. I think the main thing that I'm taking away from this is that if an, a business card ever drops in the snow, mm-hmm. you should pick it up. Call it. No questions asked. Well, you should call the number on the card. You shouldn't call the card. You should call the number on the card. How would I call the card? What do you mean, like a dog? I said pick the card up, you said call it. You mean the number on the card. That's right. Thank you for clarifying. I know that you're sitting there and whatever you're sitting in or on or listening to us and you were totally confused. Some of you are maybe jogging. Maybe you're jogging. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, Let Daystorm know what you think of his story and his conversation with us. Tweet at him. It's Daystorm and use hashtag Ear Biscuits. That's D-E-Storm. 
now, as in the thing where like lightning and thunder yeah. happens. Now in the in the TV movie that we're working on for this for Daystorm's life, um, I do think that when the the business card drops into the snow, that there should be a beam of light on it because we can really sensationalize things. Right, and then the snow starts to melt. No, no, the business card when it falls, it melts all the snow around it, and it it can have a mouth and it can start talking. Mm, that's a little weird. That's going too far. Then you really little, could call the card. A little mixed media action <laughs> happening there. Special <laughs> effects. <laughs> yeah, claymation. It's going to be a claymation business card, and it's going to be like Daystorm. Call the number written on me. Uh, so to look, change your look, future. Look forward to that in 2018. Um, but we're gonna start working on it immediately. We'll be Instagramming uh, from the from the set. Yep, and you know what? That may be the final thing that causes us to start a vine. You know, the making Daystorm the movie. <laughs> because I mean, I gotta tell you, I will say that every time we talk to someone who has a vine presence, which I, you know, I know we talked to Alpha Cat, and now we've talked to Daystorm. Have we talked to anybody else who's really killing it on vine? I don't know. Not yet. Uh, we will do that more in the future. But and you'll feel the pressure to join. I always feel this pressure, like oh man, it's only six seconds, right? I mean, we could do that. We can carve that kind of time out, right? What pressure do you feel having listened to this ear biscuit with us? I hope it is a pressure to feel less pressure and just to lay back and enjoy what we're pumping into your ear holes. Negative pressure, yeah. Feel the negative pressure. That's what we should have AKA called this show. AKA the suction. Feel the suction on your ear holes. Hmm. Nope. That's okay. not yeah, t-shirt yeah. material. Nope. Okay. Just listen next week. Yeah, we'll be here. 